Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 16th, 2020. And um, I'm going to tell you, uh, for those of you that are my subscribers on Subscribestar, I've put some really specific details, and I'll be updating daily with more information on that uh, so that you're in the know, uh, way ahead of everyone else. Thank you so much for your support. Now, what are we going to start with today? I mean, where do we start? Do we start with the fake news? Do we start with the edited images? Do we start with, you know, how insane everything is? I mean, there's so much to discuss. But what I'm going to tell you is yesterday, um, we realized that communications need to be uh discontinued. We saw Florida in the dark, obviously. Where are we having our GOP convention, right? So Ronna McDaniel, you're on notice. We know, we see, and we're following, hence what is happening. So that is just a warning for those that are listening and plan to understand. Now, today's Tuesday, um, and you guys are going to see exactly what this uh, coronavirus hoax was done and how it's being used to eliminate actors, what it was used to do, who did it, we talked about it, and why it was highly specific. So taking something that was intended for evil and then using it for good is exactly what you have to do. This was a plan uh, that, um, you know, I was actually made aware of uh, yesterday by a fellow infiltrator because the way things work... And the way you get things done is by infiltrating their own movements, not going in there, you know, pretending to be an aha, hey, look, I'm there, sitting there patiently, listening, pulling pulling your hair out, grinding your teeth, biting your nails for years as you sit there and listen. Uh, that is how you can infiltrate correctly. They've been doing the same, though they are very unsuccessful because People that are actually patriots, people that are actually for America first, people that understand what is at stake, do not get, uh, I want to say, they don't get off the path that easy. And they are never told by others that are supposedly within the movement to stay within their lane, right? That's not something you say. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So I wanted you, um, to, there was a conversation about, you know, what I was going to talk about today with a fellow infiltrator. Um, and I was saying, well, you know, it's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. And this is Timothy um, from Timothy 3. So we were discussing this and they sent me um, uh, a broadcast that happened last year in Orange County. It was like an emergency broadcast. I'm going to play it um, from uh, CBS right after I tell you um, exactly what you are seeing, things that we understand. Now, I want you guys to know that, you know, it, it, for those of you that still read the Bible, right? Um, Timothy's was, uh, you know, Timothy, uh, to Timothy three is very important for us to understand. Um, this is how, you know, good 
and Christ, in sense, is returning into power. Um, and this is marked by a steady retreat of evil, um, as what one would say. Instead, it's not. It's... Um, Jaleposh, um, Jalepi, which means in Greek, so when it's translated in Greek, it means, it doesn't mean chaos. It means like a, a period of time, um, of difficultness and rage. I can't explain it. There's a lot of Greek words that don't have, but what people need to understand, it's like an evil, menacing time. And, um, this term is actually used uh, in the New Testament uh, in uh, Matt 8.28, where, you know, two demonized men uh, living among the tombs in Gadara talk, right? And so you remember those men were evil. And what did they say? They were um, bound by chains. They were locked up and they were... Um, and they had, um, well, they were locked by chains that, that they broke, right? So they were evil, um, demon-possessed people that broke these chains according to the, to, to the scripture. And then they were terrorizing the region that they were in. Um, they were... There was extreme violence. Uh, they were very um, difficult. And basically, they were harsh, vicious dangerous or menacing and it's um the, the term jalepos is used uh you know to to demonstrate that savagery that difficult period of time of violence as savage and uh you know this word was used in um that in the last days savage times will be upon us so i want you guys to listen to that because that was exactly what I said. It's a, it, it means we're, we're in a period of jalepia, which is viciousness, dangerous, menacing. It's horrible. And I want you to now listen to this for those of you that hadn't heard the creepy emergency broadcast last year. The end of the world as we know it or just a hacker's hoax? Orange County cable customers heard the ominous prediction on the air today that the world is going to end Saturday. Okay, call nine Stacy Butler live in Lake Forest tonight. Stacy. Well, Lena and Jeff, we've all seen those warnings, the test of the emergency broadcast system flash across our TV screens. But it's what happened immediately after that that has many across Southern California shocked at what they saw. You were watching what flashed across some television screens in Southern California just after 11 o'clock this morning. Some heard what started as an emergency alert and turned into a warning of the end of the world. I'm going to repeat it. The term means hard, harsh, hard to deal with, with vicious, dangerous, menacing. This Irvine mom was shocked. Because I kind of questioned what it was and asked somebody else that was in the house, what do you think this is? I've never never seen anything like this before. It was weird. She's not the only one. On YouTube, another Orange County woman posted the same bizarre emergency alert. And another viewer saw the alert seconds before the station returned to C-SPAN. Tonight on social media, hundreds are commenting on the end of the world prediction. 
It wasn't an end of the world prediction. It was basically discussing scripture. And um, could it have been at a time that, you know, wasn't necessary or could it have been an overlap? Nobody knows, right? What we do know is that, uh, you know, these are strange times. There is not, there, there is no one out there right now that can honestly say, oh yeah, this is totally normal, uh, completely normal. Uh, everything we see, you know, where up is down, down is up, uh, is normal. The fact that they're terrorizing people is normal. Oh, and before I forget, okay, I wanted to tell you guys this yesterday. So on um, over the weekend, my daughter asked me if we could go get some ice cream. And you all know that I have a Trump sticker on my car, right? Okay. Mm. So I was like, oh, well, there's one right behind the church. Maybe we can go to that one. Apparently, it's like a nice little small business. And, you know, if we can give to small businesses, um, you know, whenever we spend anything, if we can, um, it's better, right? So, went to this place um, called Tremont, I think, Scoops or something like that. Anyway, when I pulled up, there was parking right there and there were a bunch of children hanging out in front of the ice cream shop. I saw a parent with, uh, you know, fold up their little stroller to walk in. It looked super cute, super homey, nice neighborhood. Um, uh, you know, just like neighborhood kids hanging out. And I, and I walk in and, and my daughter orders her birthday cake ice cream cone. And I was like, yeah, just, I'll just get a scoop and just cover it up because I have to drive. And, um, as I exit, I thought to myself, you know, all these children are sitting out there, they're skateboarding. Anyway, in my mind, I thought I, I could have sworn, I, I kid you not that I, um, felt like someone bashed me over the head with a skateboard right by my car and I was dead. And I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, maybe if I would have said something nicer rather than be like, you know, my average self and just come out and say, you know, loser or something. And it's not because I'm nasty, but if someone comes to me and demands something from me, they're going to get it and they're going to get an earful. But because of the mob mentality, you know, I remember saying that to myself. Now, there was no reason I would have had that thought cross my mind as I'm handing over $5 to the lady, but, uh, you know, it did. So I exit uh, the ice cream shop thinking, you know, um, that was a weird thought. Like, why did I just think that as she's like, oh, it's $4.95. Right? Why did I think that? Why did it cross my, why did I feel like someone was bashing my head over with a skateboard? So as we uh, come out of the store, I'm not even paying attention to my surroundings at that point. My daughter's looking away and I'm like, oh my gosh, let me taste it. It looks so good. So we stop and I never taste her ice cream cone, um, ever. I've never done that. And I paused for a second and it was just because I was a little bit startled and I walk over to the driver's side as she goes to uh, the passenger side. And as I walk around the car, this big, tall adult man rode like a circle with his skateboard and there's like 15 other people like hanging in the back. And he was like, that looks really good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, 
I'm like going to my door and he's like, yeah, it's my birthday. And I was thinking, shit, he's going to tell me, excuse my friend. He's going to tell me, give me your ice cream now. And then he has 15 people on the wings in the back. And here I am with my conservative sticker and I'm not carrying great thought. And I was like, I was like, it's your birthday. How old are you? And he says, 31, 31 year old riding around on a skateboard. And I'm like, great. You look great for your age. I was like, wow, you know, this is my youngest. I've, I have more and da, 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 super smiling customer service sometimes. Right guys is like a skill. And I just got into my car and shot off. I kid you not. I was, I was actually terrified. One, I didn't have a weapon with me Two, the thought that had crossed my mind, even though I hadn't seen one skateboard and, and three, the fact that it was a grown man that looked way over 31, by the way, if it was his birthday, right? Coming at me to tell me how my daughter's ice cream cone looked good. Super creepy. What is that called? Terrorism. This is what terror is like, that you're worried about leaving your home or going somewhere. This is exactly how they succeed. Um, it really bothered me, but I guess, you know, uh, being a time traveler and all, I guess that was a glimpse. Um, and, uh, you know, it teaches me that I should quickly go and get my conceal and carry. But thanks to coronavirus, that's all backed up, too. So. I'm in this state, right? Because they change from state to state. I don't have it in this state. So I was um, really upset, really shook. But then I thought, this is going to happen everywhere. Uh, now we're getting reports. And I've been getting reports of people that are conservatives that have ordered through Uber Eats, ordered through DoorDash, um, where, you know, they're constant repeat order people, like you order all the time, so they know who you are, that um, are being targeted with food being spit in by the drivers, uh, you know, um, uh, food being poisoned. Then we got that thing, which now they're trying to cover up, right? So Shake Shack employees were poisoning. NYPD officers with chlorine in their milkshakes. And this is probably happening everywhere. Could you imagine going to Starbucks and they know that you're a conservative and they don't like you? Can you imagine going to McDonald's and they don't like you because of what you, they feel that they can do this to you? This is what terror is. Living in a state of constant state of fear that someone is going to cause harm to you. That's what terror is. This is what they have done. This is what their job was to do. And this is because there have been so many false teachers, false, you know, uh, believers, fakeness and pushing that being a savage is okay. That being a savage against people that do not see things the way you want them to see it is okay. It's really not because that's pure evil. The fact, the act of terror itself is a lot more harmful to one's psyche than it is to just sit there and beat them with a baseball bat. So it's, it's really, um, important for us to recognize just how big this issue is and how important it is that we, uh, you know, Pay attention to what they are, they are succeeding in doing. Having said that, there's this, um, 
guy, Paul Chow, that I listen to every now and then, who discusses uh, 2 Timothy 3.1.9. And I'm just going to play, uh, you know, the first couple minutes of it for you guys to listen to, because he's he's actually pretty good. So if ever you, you're, 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 pondering on a scripture, a specific one, you know, I, I hope all of you, uh, you know, Google and find people that may in fact give you those words that you were seeking because sometimes we're so, um, boxed in that, uh, we find it difficult to interpret, apply, or understand what the words say. These words are old and don't forget they were translated. So for myself, I read, uh, the Bible in Greek. I know what the words mean. And sometimes when I see it translated, I know it's wrong, uh, because it's not what it meant, but because there aren't words for those words, you know, sentences are made and sometimes the notion is lost. But he's always really good at putting it out. So I want you guys uh, to listen to this. This isn't from a very long time ago. This is from December of 2015. Listen. False teachers and false believers. We live in a world of fakes. Anything good will almost be immediately imitated. And very soon produce mass that the imitations exceed the number of originals. That's quite normal. Whether it's a handbag, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a watch, whatever. The imitations are more than the originals. <clears throat> Even right here, I'm sure there are a lot of fakes. Right? People pretending that they don't know what I'm talking about. Right? You have stolen copyright today. Uh? You have stolen patents. And now, some of these fakes may be a harmless, you steal somebody's income, you steal somebody's life, but some of these fakes can cause deaths. Fake medicines in the third world country is very common. People try to save a little bit of money and they buy fakes and they die. <clears throat> right? So fakes are dangerous and they are part of life today. Everywhere there are fakes. Right? And I believe fakes outnumber originals in most good things. <clears throat> What about in the church? You say, oh, Pastor, fakes are from China. You know, everything is made in China. Huh? All the, the, the terrible imitations and stuff like that. Right? I tell you, the Chinese are good counterfeiters. But I tell you, who's the master counterfeiter? Right? Who's the master counterfeiter? Satan. He's the original. He counterfeits all the time. What God does, he imitates. What God does, he tries to counterfeit. And that brings us to a question. If Satan is the master counterfeiter, where do you think the most fakes are? In handbags? Watches? Microchips? Or in the spiritual realm? If Satan is the master counterfeiter, I can tell you this. There are more counterfeits in the church, more fakes in the church, than you would like to believe. Plenty of fakes. Fake teachers and fake believers. Wow. This is a scary thought. Could we be fakes? Could this guy here be a fake? Could you be a fake believer? Alright, so today let's ask ourselves three questions. Why are there so many fakes? In the church. Who are these fakes? We don't want to be found to be taking 
fake medicine and die, right? We better have the skill of learning how to identify fake stuff. In this generation, you better learn the skill of identifying fake stuff or you'll be duped or you may die. And the most important to identify is not whether it's a fake handbag, so be it. But am I a fake believer? And then the last question is, what do fake teachers look like? What do they do? All right, so there's a why question. Why so many? Who are these fakes? And what do fake teachers do? All right, so I hope we can answer these three questions today. Today's text passage is from 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, let's read this. That's a pretty depressing passage. Horrible bunch of people. Arrogant, proud, and all those things, right? Let's, let's read it together and just have a little picture of this horrible bunch of people described in this passage. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, sullen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning, and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that. Of those two men. What a horrible. That, that, what do you think? This guy is great, right? But that is the passage of today. We see this today. That they're more about untruth. They're brutal. They're, they're slanderous. They're vicious. They're menacing. They're violent. They're treacherous. They're reckless. And they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, or they, 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 they have the appearance of godliness, right? They, they tell you how much good they're doing, but they're really not. Yes. Horrible bunch of people. Aren't you glad you don't mix with this kind of people? Brutal, sullen with conceit, arrogant, disobedient, reckless. Who are these bunch of people? Guns, guys, drunkards by a nightclub. Gangsters by the sitting down to terrorize people, these brutal, uncontrolled people. Who are these horrible people? Who are people having a form of godliness? They are in church, folks. This is describing a congregation. Yep, and that church is called being woke, being, you know, uh, accepting it's the left. This is one of the best Chinese imports we've ever had in our nation. I really love listening to him because he brings it down to where it is. It's down to the fact that we can we can't see. We can't see is the sun rising from from the east, the west, the north, the south. We don't know anymore. We have no idea 
because we have super spreaders of hypocrisy and lies everywhere. Lies, lies, lies. And again, Satan is the best counterfeiter, like he said. I love that. He tries to be God, right? He tries to tell people you are God. So go ahead, recreate life. Clone lives matter. Yes, I guess, you know, because they wouldn't be created without us being able to, you know, this whole free will thing that they're trying to tell you don't have. They're the ones that are criticizing you on how you should act, speak, walk, think, talk. And all they are doing is promoting this enslavement of your mind, body, and soul. And they're using terror. Right now, what they're using is terror. Here's where we're at. Uh, I'm going to tell you, there's probably going to be some really big, um, if I remember correctly, uh, within the next, you know, 15 days, maybe some boat, maybe some plane. I don't think it's the plane, that, the F-15 that crashed yesterday, but something's going to happen that's going to be pretty startling. So we should keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, we are seeing that people are being murdered, raped, robbed in Chaz, and no one is doing anything. We have misinformation coming out. This, these are really, really scary times, and it's not going to rest until the end of July. It's August that we're going to start seeing a little bit of light. I'll see you guys after the break. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So as we see, we live in a counterfeit society. We live in a an odd environment where, uh, you know, fake news is counterfeit news, right? They're copying the real news and just making it their own version of it. And yet we're losing the plot, right? We've lost the plot in, in what is going on. So before we get into what I'm going to explain to you is how and what is going on and why we are probably going to have a repeat of a red summer hundred years later. And this is because of where we are at, you know, today, oddly enough, and it was almost, um, it was so hard to hear Mike Pence made an announcement on how people are going to be safe and, and whatnot. And, and, and it got me, I, I got really, really confused because it felt disingenuous. Um, it felt uh, unwarranted, unnecessary. I don't know. I'm just going to say, hey, it's another 14. Well, I would say I, I won't be okay to take a breath until July 5th, 6th, right? Um, July 20th, July 19th, 20th, 21st, where we're expecting something really harsh to happen, but not as um, alarming as what we're expecting for the next 15 days. Now, uh, and this is also shown in the news that we're getting. I mean, today I see that, uh, you know, last night, uh, Ilhan Omar's father died um, from coronavirus. But you know what's weird? It's like, did he really die from coronavirus? If he did, then why was she traveling around doing all these interviews if her father's sick? 
you know, in her culture, being with your father is about most important. But we all know that's not her daddy. And we all know that's not her name. And we all know that sometimes people die uh, when they're detained. Uh, We did have flights go to Gitmo yesterday. I'm just saying. So here is um, my favorite again, Tucker. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to have to repeat myself when he does so well, because his voice should be heard. A lot of people are not listening to him. I know my listeners pretty much do, but a lot of you are on the road. A lot of you don't catch, uh, you know, it on TV. And a lot of you wait for the analysis. Well, this is the best analysis. And this pretty much, um, tells you, uh, you know, why, um, they're, you know, they, they look like they have the upper hand. What you saw with the riots was just a teaser. What's to come is even worse. They do. It's all pretty strange when you think about it. If the leaders of Black Lives Matter are political actors, and they are, then by definition, you are allowed to have any opinion you want to have about them. Black Lives Matter wants to run the country. Therefore, you can freely criticize Black Lives Matter. Those are the rules of our system but not anymore. Imagine a world where you are punished for questioning the behavior of the president or for insulting your local mayor. You probably can't imagine that. It's too bizarre. It's un-American, but that's where we are right now. Black Lives Matter has changed the rules, and here's their first new rule, no criticizing Black Lives Matter. You can be fired from your job if you disobey. And, and, and that is true. Where else do we see it? See, if you want to know who's in control, you see who shouldn't be criticized. So like, for example, I remember asking, why is it against the law to question the Holocaust? Like how many died or what happened? People are like, oh, it's because it's Jews behind it and they're so bad. No, actually, it's the people that created the Holocaust that don't want you to know what happened and they don't want facts. So this is why the numbers of dead keep changing. The story keep changing where it happened how it happened keeps changing so that way there's this division and this you know grand scheme of things oh this the jews the bad bad and it's like stop because hitler Hitler was being funded by the Bushes, right? Hitler was supposed to be doing something to bring the EU to their knees for the United States. People don't see that. People don't see that. That is repeat. That was the first internet uh, interactive activity with no internet was Hitler. He was number one. And you know what? Why did they do that? Because when he started his movement, he wasn't racist. He wasn't against Jews. He was against socialism. He was against, you know, the fact that East Germany, West Germany had prostitutes, they had prostitutes, they had gamblers. Uh, All these nations were getting loans from this new nation, the United States. They wanted everything the United States had. They wanted their cars. They wanted this. And they were advancing really quick. And he was like, you know what? We, the Germans, don't need that. We're going to do our own. This is why they had one of the best economies during World War I, where the European Union was fighting him because he was fighting. Back, He didn't want to go and abide by the fiat currency that came into play. Pay attention. He stood by the gold back. Then World War II changed everything. Suddenly, he became psychotic and started flipping on Jews, wanted to kill them. I'm not even convinced that was him anymore because that movement was hijacked, kind of like Black Lives Matter was hijacked. 
the original Hitler plan was not to kill Jews. That's not the real story. This is why there were two world wars. The second one came after the fiat currency was implemented to squash any dissidents. That is exactly what happened. That is real history. But you don't know that because they take down monuments. They burn books. They tell you what you can and cannot read. And they've been doing this for over 100 years. Travelers like myself, though, go back to make reminders, to document, to infiltrate, to... Huh, fix things per se you move forward to look back well here we are forward looking back and here we are seeing history repeating itself you are not allowed to criticize which means they are in control you sit there and say black lives matter is a terrorist group you are immediately racist you're not holding up a sign you are immediately racist you don't bow down you are immediately racist no that's not how it works that is not how it works black lives matter is a legit movement that has been hijacked for a very, very long time. Very long time. And they tested the waters and moved the waters along and saw how much push and pull they could do to rally people up over the past couple of years with soft, you know, kind of pushes to see how can we push, 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 push. And here's where the first wave came. Oh, there's going to be more. Take a listen. Many Americans have been. On Friday, for example, the principal of a public school in Windsor, Vermont, was dismissed from her job for posting the following words on her personal Facebook page, quote, while I understand the urgency to feel compelled to advocate for black lives, what about our fellow law enforcement? Just because I don't walk around with a BLM sign should not mean I'm a racist, end quote. Unfortunately, the principal's boss disagreed. The superintendent of Windsor Schools described the quote you just heard as, quote, outright racist. Windsor, Vermont, by the way, is more than 97% white. Also on Friday, an economist called Harold Ulig lost his job at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago for daring to offer even milder criticism than that. On Twitter, Ulig noted that Black Lives Matter had, quote, just torpedoed itself with its full-fledged support of hashtag defund the police. Now is the time, Ulig noted, quote, for sensible adults to enter back into the room and have serious, earnest, respectful conversations about it all. That was a racist statement, the Federal Reserve concluded. So they fired Harold Ulig. We could give you many other examples of the same thing happening. There are a lot of them. Black Lives Matter now enjoys almost complete immunity from criticism. This is unprecedented for an American political movement. But Black Lives Matter is even more powerful than that. It has single-handedly revised our moral flame framework. Yes, black lives do matter. That is a statement of fact. And no decent person doubts that it is true because it is. And it's true precisely because every life matters. We are all human beings, every one of us. We have souls. Skin color is irrelevant to moral value. Until recently, this was considered obvious. Saying it was regarded as a virtue. All lives matter equally. All of us were created by God. In the end, all of us will die. Nothing can change that. Not wealth, not fame, not race. Every life is precisely as valuable as every other life. And by the way, that idea forms the basis of the Christian faith. It's the entire premise behind our founding documents. And yet suddenly, thanks to Black Lives Matter, you can no longer say it out loud. Affirming the fundamental equality of all people is now considered hate speech. You can be fired for saying it. Again, many people have been. This is a dangerous moment. How do we get here? In a word, quickly. It happened fast. 
As recently as December, before the riots, most Americans did not approve of Black Lives Matter. The group was defined in the public mind by moments like this. Pigs in a blanket! Brown like bacon! 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 Pigs in a blanket, fry like bacon. Kill the police. They yelled that at a rally. The usual liars immediately swooped in to pretend that it never happened. The president of the Southern Poverty Law Center wrote an entire op-ed ordering the public not to consider Black Lives Matters a hate group. But people could see the truth for themselves. The video was online. A lot of facts about Black Lives Matter still reside on the Internet. They have not yet been scrubbed. The group's signature demand is to eliminate law enforcement. When you first heard protesters scream, defund the police, it may have shocked you. That's just crazy, you may have thought. A few weeks later, support for eliminating law enforcement is rising quickly in the polls. Minneapolis is already doing it. Other cities will follow. Are you surprised? Almost no one in public life has pushed back meaningfully against the idea of defunding the police. The Black Lives Matter position is the only position most people hear. After a while, they believe it. Unchallenged claims must be true. That's what most people assume. And why wouldn't they assume that? If you strongly disagree with something, say so. Otherwise, it's much more likely to happen. So with that in mind, consider some of the other positions Black Lives Matter has endorsed. The repeal of all immigration restrictions, for starters, they're for that. The legalization of sex work, prostitution, they're for that too. The destruction of the nuclear family, your family. The forced reallocation of farmland. Race-based reparations specifically, quote, in the form of a guaranteed minimum livable income for all black people. Hear that? All black people, not just the descendants of American slaves. This would include the millions of African and Caribbean immigrants who on average now earn more than native-born Americans. Every one of these new Americans would receive a guaranteed annual income from American taxpayers in order to atone for the sin of... For the sin of what, actually? Allowing them to immigrate here? Black Lives Matter does not explain that part. No one asked them. You could be fired for asking. What you cannot be punished for, however, is looting and burning, at least not if you're Black Lives Matter. Huge parts of our urban landscape have been destroyed in the past month. Almost no one has been held to account for it. Just the opposite. You're, not, you're encouraged to pretend it never happened. In St. Louis, every rioter arrested has been released without charges. In New York, hundreds were released without bail. Same in Washington, D.C. It's happening almost everywhere, and not just in places controlled by elected Democrats, which tells you a lot. Fort Worth, Texas, for example, is one of the few major American cities that is led by a Republican, Mayor Betsy Price. On May 31st, a crowd of Black Lives Matter demonstrators blocked a bridge in downtown Fort Worth. When police arrived to disperse them, they threw rocks and bottles of bleach. Three police officers were injured. The mob then went on to loot and vandalize businesses. Dozens of rioters were arrested for this. Ten days later, the city's police chief, Ed Krause, announced that he was dropping all charges against them. Krause issued a statement suggesting that the real criminals in the riot were not the rioters, but his own police officers, whom he suggested would be reined in and perhaps punished. Quote, this is just one step on a long journey, Krause wrote, sounding more like a therapist than a cop. The chief promised that his department was, quote, committed to walking the path of reform with our community. Krauss never bothered to explain exactly what his cops had done wrong. They were cops. That was enough. That same day, the Fort Worth School Board issued a statement declaring that, quote, police practices are deeply rooted in white supremacy. 
Once again, no one specified which police practices reflected white supremacy or what that accusation even meant. It was a blanket condemnation, but it was left to hang in the air. As usual, no one in authority pushed back against it in a Republican-led city. It'll be interesting to know what happens to the murder rate in Fort Worth over the next year. We can guess. We're seeing it all over the country. We've seen it many times through the years. When the people in charge undermine the law, violence surges. But there is a solution to this vortex, and it's called leadership. 65 years ago, politicians throughout the American South refused to submit to the Supreme Court's Brown versus Board decision. Authorities in many states simply ignored the law like it didn't exist. Armed extremist groups filled the vacuum. They used violence to make their own laws. Ultimately, the federal government stepped in and restored order. In 1957, President Dwight Eisenhower federalized the National Guard of Arkansas. He sent troops to Little Rock to force Governor Orville Faubus to obey the law. So the question is, where is our Justice Department today, right now? Is there a reason the DOJ hasn't filed federal conspiracy charges against the people who organized and led these riots? It's not as if we don't know who they are. Their crimes are on YouTube. You know the reason. Black Lives Matter was involved. It is politically sensitive. No prosecutor wants to be called a racist, as if it's racist to punish people for crimes they committed. You wonder what the victims of those crimes think. The old people who are beaten to the ground for trying to defend their property. The shop owners whose life savings were stolen or burned. The families of the people who were murdered during the riots, and there were quite a few of them. No one is defending these people. No one is punishing their attackers. Nobody cares. Imagine how they feel about that. What recourse do they have? Well, there was a woman that um, actually talked about that. And I'm going to play a little snippet. She lived going through the store where she wants to buy food. Take a listen to what she says. Every grocery store looks like this. Every grocery store looks like this. Everything is either on the floor. Look at this. Can't even get no fucking food for my kids, G. Look at this. Came in the store to try to buy something because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a thief. Look at this. In my hood, can't even get no food for my kids. She, she's at her local Walmart. Babies People are shopping. Milk. And everything's on the floor. Can't even get nothing for my kids, bro. I feel like an animal. And black people made me feel like an animal. Y'all did this to us. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the store. Look at this. Everything on the floor, you guys. Trash, food, but we, everything. We, we, this, this is what we're fighting for. This is honoring George Floyd. People who already couldn't feed their kids, now they really can't feed their kids. Look at this. I am so devastated right now. I am so devastated right now, G. This is not okay. For us to have to live like this, we do stupid shit like this all the time. And we so black proud. We so black and proud that we ain't gonna never be honest and be real about what's really going on. Y'all are so wrong for this. You came in your neighborhood and fucked up your shit. I'm not a thief. I'm not coming in this store and stealing nothing. And ain't nobody gonna turn me into no animal or make me feel like a thief. 
And that is exactly what is going on. And here's another woman who apparently has her own YouTube channel that splurred out some really important facts to exactly those people that have been false teachers, right? False goody two shoes. You know, the ones that sit there and say, use your words, just this. And you must be, uh, you have to apologize. We've done so much wrong. Those people take a listen to how they got an earful of this. There we go. That's it. It's been hijacked. They're, uh, the majority of black Americans, their culture is family. Their culture is not about abortions. Their culture is about unity, family, and a strong father figure and a mother. But, you know, the Democrats put in the idea to many of them, oh, you could just kill your babies. Oh, you don't need the father in the house. You don't need a good unit. We don't need that. You don't need the white picket fence and a job. No, 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 no. You can have babies and I'll just pay you and you could just sit there. That's what they've been conditioning our more impoverished citizens that happen to be, you know, black Americans. And why is that? Because every culture sticks together, right? So this is how it happened. You know how she said there was no big switch? She was 100% right. That the people in the North, after they made their money, having pushed over in tech, technology, in that era of the early 1800s, they moved back down South and began their business there. While the Southerners had zero because they lost their slaves, moved up North to get jobs because their plantations weren't plantationing themselves anymore. They didn't like to work. So what happened? Well, 
the black community always sticks together, just like the Italians, the Chinese, the French, the Greeks. They all have their own little communities. So what did the racists in these big cities do? Not reside or not build businesses in the black communities that were working, that were helping, that were contributing to society. And that continued and continued. Because if you don't have money, right, you don't get good schools. Why? Because your property taxes pay for the school in your area. So if you live in a nice neighborhood, guess what? You're getting a lot of tax dollars. Guess what? You're getting better teachers, smart teachers, teachers that actually care about what they do, better education. But if you're in a neighborhood where, you know, you, you're in uh, rent control, section eight, whatever, not a lot of money is being made, not a lot of taxes being collected, ergo, you get the teachers nobody wants. You get the teachers that nobody cares about. That, that don't care about children that are there for a paycheck or you get the teachers that are that are what that are trained and assigned by teach america which by the way has a line with black panthers black lives matters antifa all of those groups every single group didn't start saying let's cause evil all right they didn't but there's only one group that did one group that believes that there should be one nation one law and everybody else should submit. And we're going to talk about that in the second hour. Because that is what this plan was. This is. Now, before the end of this decade, it'll all come up. Because everything has been an illusion. Everything is simply a distraction. Everything's a distraction because this is how they make sure they keep you in check. And... Who? White hats, blue hats, UN. And they have targeted our Native American population. They have targeted our cities. But have they targeted them? No. Barack Hussein Obama and Loretta Lynch signed them all over in 2015. It was all the plan. I'll see you after this break. after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where were we? We were talking about false teachers. We were talking about insanity. We were talking about really, really difficult times ahead. Very difficult times ahead. And it's only going to be until Labor Day. Now, in August, we are going to start seeing a little bit of a breath of air that we're going to get. Uh, we're going to breathe a little bit easier because things that are coming to the surface now will be revisited in a little over a month and a half. So we have things that are popping up. Like, for example, today, 
The Minnesota Freedom Fund has been exposed to have raised over $30 million, but they only spent $200,000 bailing out protesters and illegal migrants. And you have to think to yourself, well, why are they doing that in the first place? Who's funding this? Obviously, there's only one person that I see that follows this fund, and that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They want to destroy the police. They want to take away your guns, and then they want to destroy the police. That is exactly what they want to do. Now, there's this guy named John Bone. I want to give him some love because he put together a really nice video um, yesterday, and it's only had 541 views. So I'm going to play it for you guys. He did his own little report. Now, I don't uh, agree with everything he puts out, but this one was pretty special. So let's give him some love and listen to his report. The Democrats emerged to ask for civility for black Americans when they have not shown a shred of civility towards the rest of America. Mr. Bongino, Dylan Roof is white. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. So uh, if he's white, that doesn't make him any better. Or, or It was an awful thing he did, whether he was white or black. I'm correct. I'm not sure where you were going with this. Dylan Roof was white. And as to the chairman's comments about civility, the president of the United States of America has advocated violence, he has been divisive, and he has been the one that has caused what we see happening today, where people are trying to push back on his policies and where people are trying to have peaceful protests instead of violence, but he continues to call names and he continues uh, to challenge people in very violent ways. Meanwhile, after tens of millions of dollars worth of damage to New York City, former Clinton and Obama underling Loretta Lynch is called upon by New York Attorney General Letitia James to oversee a predictably pro-looters and neoliberal socialist instigator cleanup job flying in the face of federal oversight. On top of that, Lynch isn't there to follow up on the millions of merchandise looted by peaceful protesters. Loretta Lynch is there to further apply pressure to an already crippled New York Police Department. As The Hill reported, New York Attorney General Letitia James said in a statement, As we continue our investigation, I will continue to use every tool at my disposal to seek answers and accountability, and that includes calling on the sharpest minds to lend their expertise. Lynch added, it is time to examine recent events to ensure that all New Yorkers receive truly equal protection under the law. You may recall Loretta Lynch launched the Strong Cities Network in 2015 at the United Nations with a panel of leftist U.S. mayors, including New York's de Blasio, who has thumbed his nose at the New York Police Department ever since. I want to say to my fellow mayors, uh, we are in the vanguard of change around the world, as the High Commissioner indicated, and we should hold ourselves to a high standard. We're able to do things locally uh, that in many ways can uh, set the pace for our national government. And I think so many of us, through the work we've done in our cities, we understand something fundamental. The most powerful way to counter violent extremism is to go to the core. The core is intolerance. When we address intolerance, when we undermine intolerance in the process, we undermine extremism and violence. But 
I see the incredible opportunity of the Strong Cities Network as going far beyond the work of law enforcement, going to some of the things that all of us know we could do better. The nurturing of our youth, and particularly of youth leadership, positive leadership that can help uh, to move other youth towards positive outcomes in our society. This is a truly groundbreaking endeavor. By connecting municipal leaders, by facilitating information sharing, and providing training and other assistance where appropriate, the Strong Cities Network will help to fashion a global response to a global issue without losing sight of its inherently local roots. It will offer city leaders a way to learn from one another about successful initiatives and productive programs. By connecting these localities to one another, as this network, the Strong Cities Network, is doing, we will not only have a powerful way to lift up our communities worldwide, we will send a message, a message from all of our voices about who we are and about what we aspire to be as an alliance of nations and a global community. The Strong Cities Network is a network focused on supporting cities to prevent all forms of violent extremism. It is important to remember that while attention is currently focused on ISIS and the challenge of foreign fighters, the threat of other forms of violent extremism, not least extreme right-wing groups, remain critical and of critical concern to local authorities around the world and the communities that they represent. That level of Islamophobia, that level of racism, that level of xenophobia creates its own counter-movement that we have to look out for. It's a challenge to American safety because it's animating other kinds of extremism and other kinds of violence against people of color and against uh, folks, of the, uh, you know, folks who follow Islam. Lynch had said the Strong Cities Network would have an international steering committee and an international advisory board run by the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, a leading international think tank based in London. Under their control, law enforcement measures for cooperating Democrat cities will be directed from the Institute for Strategic Dialogue and the United Nations, ignoring the U.S. Constitution, local officials, and the laws we all operate under. Other cities that have not officially signed on are being rewarded with equipment due to their interest in the Strong Cities Network. Meanwhile, former New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick said 600 police officers were considering leaving the force amid protests in response to the death of George Floyd. All right, Commissioner Carrick, how many police officers uh, are in the hospital right now that the mainstream media is not talking about? Well, you've had over 300, I think about 320 that have been injured. You have some in the hospital, but there were over 300, uh, 300 injuries. And, and I, the thing that scares me, uh, Judge, I'm hearing close to 600 cops have either put in their papers or they're talking to the department about resigning or retiring. While Mayor de Blasio unveiled a few reforms to the New York Police Department at the urging of a task force on racial inclusion, of which his wife is co-chairwoman, redirecting money from the police department to youth programs is among the proposed changes. The budget of the New York Police Department was nearly $6 billion in 2019. And now New York Comptroller Scott Stringer is calling for $1.1 billion to be cut from the New York Police Department budget over four years. 
How convenient that the New York Police Department would be targeted by Loretta Lynch's United Nations Police Force Steering Committee. It appears that defunding the police is simply the beginning. As Democrat cities are transforming their local police forces into internationally interested United Nations armies that will crush any that oppose the will of the totalitarian left and its dismantling of America. John Baum reporting. Okay, I gave him a lot of love because he put that really, really well. Apparently, News B-O-W-N-E is where you can find him. I stumbled upon him totally by accident. I don't think I even follow him on Twitter. Um, I saw his video uh, when I was uh, sourcing out some audio for today, and I was like, wow, he did a really good job. And, you know, if everyone came together, every single, you know, digital soldier, every single bonafide journalist, that just wants to put the truth out, then yes, this is how we win because we are unified. We're not going for clicks or anything. UN troops. <laughs> so the left is now grubbing and they're moving. No UN troops are going to be entering ever, ever because they have their little scheme they have and they want i mean come on you all know they have external auditors internal auditors this is how you have to understand that these members that are elected every two years right uh are done so within themselves vacancies are announced around march and in july they're put up so think the UN, the UN, how great they are. But let me tell you, when we were in Afghanistan rigging elections under the Obama administration, okay, under the Obama administration, okay, a UN official was actually fired for trying to minimize voter fraud. But who was actually aiding us in these deployments? You know, Bergie created ShadowNet that has been used, obviously, to do this. Think, think election fraud. Think manipulation of thought. Think of what's happening. This is over, huh? What is it? This is 11 years old. Listen to this. Hi, Gabrielle. Diplomat Peter Galbraith was the number two United, Stations, United Nations official working on a mission in Afghanistan. But after a dispute with the number one official, he was fired. Uh, basically, my concern was that the UN had to have a role in trying to minimize the risk of fraud in elections that were UN funded. Diplomat Peter Galbraith had been in Afghanistan for only a month when he raised concerns to higher UN officials about ghost polling. He says many of the polling locations were in dangerous areas or controlled by the Taliban, preventing actual voting from occurring there. There was the risk that local officials or election staff could simply uh, fill in the, the ballots themselves or, or report the results, and this is exactly what happened. Galbraith says his concerns about election fraud were met with opposition from top UN official on the mission, Kai Audi. Frustrated, Galbraith says he returned to Vermont for a two-week temporary leave. But on his way back to the U.S., news of the disagreement leaked to the London Times. Mr. Audi made clear that if I came back, uh, he was going to resign, and so the Secretary General was forced to choose. And... Uh, the UN, uh, being a hierarchical organization, chose the top guy. 
According to Galbraith, Addy didn't think it was the UN's place to respond to the election fraud. But Galbraith says it's important that the UN be seen as neutral and principled. I think it's very un unfortunate that the United Nations would uh, dismiss a senior official who was concerned for being concerned about large-scale fraud in an election that the United Nations was supporting and which... Wait a minute. Why is the United Nations supporting any elections? Listen. ...was paid for by... Wait. Why were they paid for it? Why were they paying for it? ...by the international community. What is the international community paying for elections in another country for? Galbraith was let go from the United Nations yesterday. Gab so he was fired from the U.N., because he said, hey, the international community paid for it. The U.N. is supposed to be supporting it. And I'm telling them that they're fudging the results because we did want them fudged, right? This is the whole plan that Brennan had. This is why we did what we did with GSG. But okay. Huh. And what happened? Oh, that's right. He got fired because he spoke the truth. Because he actually thought he was there doing good. Because he wasn't really in the know. He wasn't really in the know. You are, though. You see what's up. Rudy let you see what's up when he spoke with Jesse Waters. Taking their cues from these insane people, and they have no control over their own town. And it's a shame to watch. You know, and the president gets hit just for trying to lend a hand to help. 30 seconds. Give you the last word. Well, they hit the president for, for anything. I mean, the way he walks, anything at all. But don't minimize how dangerous this is. There are people who have been planning this for a long time. Antifa, Soros. There are people that have anarchistic uh, tendencies and views, socialistist tendencies. They want us to be part of one big world government. This could be the start of that, uh, setting up these autonomous zones. If it isn't, it should be wiped out anyway. If it is, it should definitely be wiped out. But it has to stop here. Now, no more of these. Rudy Giuliani, thanks for him. Huh. No more of these. No more of these. Because what is it that they want to do? They want to bring you to your knees. They want to take over our nation. This is the plan. This was always the plan. And now they're scrambling because it's totally off mark. The rest of the world is in tangent with the orders. Some dissidents, you know, India's a little bit. Russia's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the show because I was never part of this. Uh, you know, I just played both fields. I'm just going to sit and watch. And if the good guys need help, I'm in. China's like, um, so we're supposed to do this because they control everything. I'm really concerned because I have a lot of nuclear power plants. And I'm really concerned because if I do go and do this, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Because I depend on the Europeans buying my stuff. So what do I do? Do I just get rid of my whole nation of China and hand it over to the Europeans? Well, we say the Europeans because that's where they're centered. Oh, wait a minute. No, they're not. They're centered in, in, in Kazakhstan, in what used to be called Astana, which is now called Nursed. I highly urge anyone that has the time to just go see what that city looks like. It'll be quite enlightening for you. Because, see, the one thing that Satan, the devil, does is like, uh, you know, Mr. Chow said when elaborating is that he's a counterfeiter, right? He copies. He tries to recreate. And he deceives when doing so. And so the deception is that you will have increased security,
You will have increased prosperity as long as you let them guide you. In the meantime, they're going to be terrorizing you. Listen to what else Tucker said in regards to that. Because right now what we need is someone brave to stand up to the mob. Who's going to do it? Do they have to torch a Wendy's or loot a Walmart to get our attention? Let's hope not. It might be enough to have a single national leader, just one, who understands what is actually going on in this country and is brave enough to say so. That might make all the difference, and it would certainly make the political career of the person who does it. In the fall of 1968, a teaching assistant at San Francisco State University called George Murray gave a speech endorsing racial violence. Murray urged black students to bring guns to campus and, quote, kill all the slave masters. Murray, by the way, was the, quote, minister of education in the local Black Panther Party, which was the Antifa of its time. When administrators learned about Murray's speech, they equivocated, but ultimately they suspended him under pressure. In response to this, a group called the Third World Liberation Front shut down the campus. Sound familiar? They demanded the university drop all admission standards for black applicants and admit students purely on the basis of race. Administrators were paralyzed in the face of this more than anything they didn't want to be called racist. The university's president was so terrorized by it that he quit and left. Ultimately, the leadership of San Francisco State fell to an unlikely president, a Japanese-Canadian academic called S.I. Hayakawa. Hayakawa was short, eccentric, wore thick glasses, but he was completely fearless. On December 2nd, 1968, Hayakawa marched into the middle of a student protest. Rioters immediately assaulted him, but Hayakawa kept going. He climbed onto the roof of a sound truck and ripped the wires out of the loudspeaker. San Francisco State University reopened that day. So here's the lesson for today's office holders. S.I. Hayakawa became a folk hero for standing up to the mob. He was elected to the United States Senate from California. Republicans supported him. Voters did, too. They didn't always understand him. Hayakawa wore a Scottish tam-o'-shanter cap in public and never really explained why he did. But it didn't matter. He was brave and honest, and voters appreciated that above all. They always do. We don't have our Hayakawa yet. Instead, we have cowards. Our leaders are happy to talk about everything but the collapse of the centuries-old civilization tumbling down around them. They have no idea how little credibility they have. They have no sense of how irrelevant they have become. If you can't tell the truth when the truth actually matters, then nothing you say matters. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter becomes more powerful and more popular with the public. Why is that happening exactly? Here's why. Because Black Lives Matter is getting exactly what they want. And that is the most basic sign of strength. Strength is the most appealing quality to voters and to people and to animals. Three weeks ago, Black Lives Matter demanded that cities defund their police. Today, the mighty NYPD, the biggest police department in our nation, the most sophisticated police department in the world, bowed and announced it is abolishing its entire plainclothes division. 600 people gone for good because Black Lives Matter wanted it done. And now it is done. That's not bluffing. It's not posturing. It's not tweeting. That is real power. You'll notice it did not require the usual maneuvering for Black Lives Matter to get that power. They didn't need a team of lawyers to get it. Black Lives Matter doesn't make legal arguments. They're not trying to convince you of anything. Black Lives Matter believes in force. They flood the streets with angry young people who break things and they hurt anyone who gets in the way. When they want something, they take it. Make them mad and they will set your business on fire. Annoy them and they will occupy your downtown and declare a brand new country. You're not going to do anything about it. They know that for certain. This is the most destructive kind of politics. 
We've seen a lot of it in recent years. Organized groups did it to Brett Kavanaugh. The main point of slandering Kavanaugh was never to block his confirmation. We misread that. They knew they probably couldn't achieve it. The real point was to send Kavanaugh and John Roberts and the other Republican justices a very clear message. Step out of line and we will hurt your families. And judging from recent court decisions, it worked. At times, it's very clear that supposedly conservative justices are afraid to defy the mob. So what message do the rest of us take from what's happened over the past three weeks? It's very simple. The message is force is more effective than voting. Elections change nothing. Rioting, by contrast, makes you rich and powerful. When you riot, prosecutors will ignore the law on your behalf. Corporations will send you millions. Politicians will kneel down before you. It works. Violence works. That's the message. Everyone hears that message. Until violence stops working, violence will continue. And this is where we come to the point where we have companies right now that are allowing their employees to protest. So I want you to know that before the end of this decade, right, there will be a future shown to us uh, that um, has, uh, has uh, you know, you've been warned many, many times, humanity in general. And, you know, I have been talking about it over two and a half years uh, on the radio and for almost a decade under a pseudonym um, and my name uh, for a very long time. But I've been told, don't you dare. No, but I am. I'm daring because we need people to speak up because exactly like Tucker said, if you're going to keep your mouth shut right now, then you need to keep it shut forever because you are only like that. Most people are like, well, I, I don't want trouble. I'll tell you what. The scenario that I talked about in the first hour where I exited the place, thank gosh, you know, it would have been different if I was packing. That's where I would have brandished my firearm really quick. To know that I am not going to allow someone to threaten me and put my life in jeopardy. I would, I would just have it on my hip and just casually move my cardigan to the side and be like, yo, that's what's up. And say, oh, it's your birthday. Good. Because my kid's not going to give you her ice cream cone. Uh, you know, this is how... People should be standing for what they want. I refuse to remove the Trump sticker, so I might get pelleted. I might get my head bashed in by a skateboard, but it doesn't matter. I say my piece, right? That's what we should do. If you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. And, you know, I'm not saying go out there and start shooting people up. That's stupid because that makes you no different from anyone else. But as long as we stay united... As long as we're loud and as long as we call it out the way it is, then this is where it all comes to an end for them. You know, teaching people, uh, you know, the cash flow game is a big thing, right? Teaching people about how money makes the world go round, how following the money will find all the answers that you seek, will explain every single thing you see happening. It only takes one small moment for people to take that pause and think about it. You know, no one is looking at how suspicious it is that the Federal Reserve has been printing insane money. No one's looking at how suspicious it is that the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, has come in. Nobody is talking about how this coronavirus came out. Now, we've 
already discussed this. It's the World Health Organization, a.k.a. the United Nations, that let that go. But why? The question is why? Why did a virus, a flu, because it is just this year's flu, get pushed out and shut down the economies globally? Why was it shut down? Why did the whole world shut down? See, nobody is talking about how the market crashed harder than ever in history. Nobody is talking how stagnant the economy is right now. Nobody is talking about that. Why? Because they're hiding something. Because in the next half hour, you're going to find out what exactly this coronavirus was used for and they how they plan to use it in 2019. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So <laughs> we're going to cover this so you understand exactly what it is all about. Why the whole world was shut down for a virus. Why? What are they covering up? And it's big. And it's big. Because in, uh, in uh, September of 2019, this is before their plan, Right around the time of their plan, around those discussion of menacing and violent times, around that time, there's something that happened. And what happened was because of President Trump. And it's called shadow banking. Their whole shadow banking system collapsed. They were on high alert, right? And that's why the Fed and the Treasury have been printing trillions of dollars all over the world. So that way, when coronavirus appeared, it was an excuse to shut down the world economy to cover up for the bankruptcy. See, when you ask, hey, where'd you get this money? And they're like, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, fiat currency doesn't have to tell you anything. If I own a printer, I print it. And I'm like, it's money. What do you want? Well, what's it's worth? (laughs) It's worth whatever people, what I say it's worth. And whatever the people think it's worth. So think about the millions and trillions of dollars out there in the big pockets of these fat cats. Fat cats you've never even heard of. For some reason, people think George Soros is the Don. Man, he's only the front-facing loser gopher that distributes the money to big boys. They... You won't even recognize, you don't even know who they are. (laughs) And they've been around for a very, very, very long time. Their foot soldiers are recognized through their blue blood. But other than that, mm, this, my friends, was just the reason to shut down the economy. Because they collapsed. They needed something to cover up what really, really happened how President Trump actually making sure that there was something called barter and fair trade collapsed their fake system. Ah, but we're not finished yet. So what happened and what we have seen go on across the planet for the past, you know, what, four months now is unprecedented. 
It makes actually no sense whatsoever. What is going on in this world in regards to the shutting down of the economy is as if the Phoenicians just created money again. This is how big it is, and no one's talking about it. No one is. This is how you shut down the whole world. While the bankers, the big fat cats, try to figure out how they're going to give value back to that paper that you so religiously praise as value, while they do that, while they scam you out of watching what's really going on, right? Because our economy was booming, everybody else was crashing. Because we were backing it with goods. They were backing it with air. So as it's crashing, you're too distracted with being locked in your house, wearing a mask, trying to figure out all the targets. This, uh, what is it? A, a panic media. It was like, that's like a drug for some people. That they pan, wear the gloves, wear the social distance, please. These people are scared to get out of their house. I don't know how they wake up in the morning. This is what happened. It was the largest crash. Nobody knows about it because everybody's been stuck at home thinking about social distancing and wearing a mask. And, oh, wasn't it the good times when we used to go out and get drunk and just have random sex and all this stuff? So people missed this heist. It was theft. It was a catastrophic theft. <laughs> That was kind of exposed in the Ukraine. It just peaked a little bit. You know, the plane with the cash that went to Iran peaked a little bit. You were like, wait a minute. What's that? That sounds weird. How do we have all this money here? And you know, that's exactly what happened. And you didn't even know it. Because, you know, this virus came about. Right? It's like, it was like the most sneakiest thing ever. It shut down the world's economy and put millions of people out of work to destroy you, to destroy the small business owners that are the backbone of the actual world, to save the rich, to save the really, really, really rich. We're not talking Trump rich. We're not talking Soros rich. We're talking they rich. It's criminal. <laughs> Hence King William coming around, you know. We, we observed the biggest theft of this own fake system anyway. This is what happened. And this is why they hate President Trump. And they will stop at nothing to take him down. And this, the end of by the end of June, you will see an action that we see them already taking over cities. Calling them autonomous zones where people enter and die and no one talks about. Rapes, pillaged, fake news. You know, you know why this happens? is because we're never financially educated. See, you're never free, financially free. Unless you are taught about finance. I, 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 I can tell you for myself, personally... Uh, tragedy befell me and six months ago I started at zero, Z zero, zero. So now my savings has $107, <laughs> but I educated myself 
to be able to pull myself up from my bootstraps. I worked harder. Obviously, coronavirus came. That really sucked. But why? Because I was educated in that. I was able to, you know, think of, and obviously surrounded by, you know, great friends, good people, but Regardless, financial education teaches you how to economize, how to invest per se, how to put things in perspective, how to move forward, right? And we don't do that. Nobody teaches finances or how to run a business or anything in any educational school unless you're studying to do that. If you're going to be an accountant or a CPA or a broker or a banker, you know, the education system is actually rigged. So people are stupid and dependent on smarter people to do that for them. So it's only if you have money that you know how to maneuver money. And like I said before, if you live in a rich neighborhood, if you live in a rich neighborhood, what happens? You have actual schools, right? You have schools. Why? Because the real estate pays higher taxes. So richer neighborhoods get what? Real estate taxes, which get what? Actual schools and education. But if you live in a poor neighborhood, The real estate taxes are not high. The education that you will have access to for your children will be the poorest education because the real estate taxes don't do anything. Everything is about money. Everything. And money is something that was created, that was always there. It was a form of barter because it had value. But back then with the Red Summer, back then with the pandemic in 1919, What did they do to the money? Ah, they made it fake. They made it monopoly money. They made it not backed by anything. One dollar doesn't equal a cow. Sorry, because I say so. It's my money. I printed it. I'm in charge. One dollar is not a cow. One dollar is what I say it is. And if I say one dollar is a grain of sand, that's all you get for one dollar. Whereas back then, everyone had agreed. One dollar is like, you know, uh, a a penny size of silver. And that supposedly had value. Period. We agreed on what value would be. Right? Inflation obviously happens, but whatever. So what happened? Because you hear the president talking about it. 1917. 1918. You know, no, it's 1919. Actually, no. Because it takes a few years to get it done, right? It does. And this is where the plan was with Hillary Clinton. 1919, 2019, COVID, boom. Everyone's dying. People in gulags, wait, did you just talk up against us? Yeah, you're sick. You have coronavirus. Let's go. That's what was going to happen. I want you to understand this. This was all about money. They knew it was coming down to it. And what they were scared of and what they realized, what they realized is if we don't get this president out, this is why they had impeachment after investigation after to keep him busy. (laughs) This is why he deserves a third term. They stole his first one. We could do that. We could totally do that. We can argue for that real easy. So everything is about money. We don't teach money, um, money stuff in school ever, right? Ever. Because apparently, you know, no one's going to give it to you. But you know what we have? We have technology. We have our computers. We have our phones. It's the most powerful thing that we have in our hands and we're not using it. Whoa. All you have to do 
is connect to it. Use the phone the way you should. Use it. And you will realize just how much power you have. Because they can't take away all this information from you. They can't. No kid goes to any any school ever and, uh, you know, sits there and has all the teachers incompetent. Uh, the, the, the teachers, well, well, we can argue that. But what you can do is you can't make money with your computer or your phone, right? You can, I guess. But the reality is you can educate yourself and you can learn about these things and you can be aware of what's going on. You could be aware of how things are spreading, how things are doing. And one thing that you will realize is that this coronavirus was a hoax, a hoax to cover up. Yeah, it existed. Yeah. Just like the flu exists every year, but it was a hoax. The UN did this in order to take control. And now we have people asking for the UN to insert themselves in our business, in our nation to tell us what we should do. Infiltrators everywhere. Infiltrators everywhere. You know, uh, yesterday there was uh, the tweet from Barack Hussein Obama's brother, right? I'm just going to show you infiltration right here. Just, just so you could see how everyone's like, yeah, stick it to him. Really? He'd be out there doing that. You guys have no idea how they work. So here he is putting out, yep, this is his birth certificate. He was born in Kenya. So nobody cares. Nobody cares. He was never born in Kenya. I'm telling you that. Stanley Ann never carried him to Turp. Never, ever, ever. This is a Petri dish boy. And we need to talk about Morocco. We need to talk about it. But here's the thing. That birth certificate doesn't prove anything. My daughter right now serving currently in the U.S. Army, she was born outside of the United States. Do you know that every day thousands of Americans are born outside of the United States because their parents live there? Maybe, you know, someone took a teaching job there that's an American and they gave birth. Does that make their kid French? No. The embassy gives you a certificate. Now, if there's no consulate certificate, then hmm. Now, we all know that is actually fake anyway, okay? That birth certificate is fake anyway. It was retroactively created, et cetera, et cetera. But the matter of fact here is, is that uh, it's all just an illusion. It's all about the money. And these people will not stop until they take out those that are pushing, those that want more. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny when I, t when I tell you about money, I'm serious, you know, Bill de Blasio, his daughter, crazy, right? Crazy. But do you remember the, the, the movement right up, up, whatever thrive that uh, Bill de Blasio's wife did? Well, where did $850 million go? See, because you have to account for it. Where is it? We don't know. Oh, they, it just disappeared, right? It's disappeared and no one has any records of where this money's going. Kind of like the Minnesota Freedom Fund. You raised $30 million. Where is it? Yeah, we'll let you know what we're doing with it. It is all about money, 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 money. That's all they care about is money. And as long as you let them not answer questions, the longer they go about doing this. So one thing that other people aren't talking about is how 54 scientists were totally arrested for working with other countries. Wow. Wow. Are you kidding? That happened and it's not top news. Nope, nope, nope. It's not.
Instead, defunding the police is important. Defunding the police. Oh, and speaking of, uh, well, you know, let's just, let's just, um, go to the president of the United States who signed the executive order today. So you can hear what he had to say about it. Give me a second. Let me pull it up to the right place where I want it. Actually. Um, we don't need to hear the whole thing. It's just, uh, the last five minutes. Here we go. Um, I want you to listen to what he says. The lowest black, Hispanic, and Asian unemployment rates in American history. And we will do it again. We'll do it again. We're fighting for school choice, which really is the civil rights of all time in this country. Frankly, school choice is the civil rights statement of the year, of the decade, and probably beyond. Because all children have to have access to quality education. A child's zip code in America should never determine their future. And that's what was happening. So we're very, very strong on school choice. And I hope everybody remembers that. And it's happening. It's already happened, but it's happening. We have tremendous opposition from people that know they shouldn't be opposing it. School choice. All children deserve equal opportunity because we are all made equal by God. So true. A great jobs market and thriving economy is probably the best thing that we can do to help the black, Hispanic, Asian communities. We saw that just recently prior to the virus that came in from China just a few months ago. What a horrible thing it was all over the world, 188 countries now. And I just want to say we've done incredibly well. We're doing well. Things are happening that nobody can even believe. Our country is opening up, and it's opening up rapidly. We had the best unemployment and employment. We had best unemployment and employment numbers. Think of that. In the history of our country, we're up to almost 160 million people working. There was never anything even close. And that's for almost every group, including black, Hispanic, Asian, women, young people, old people, young people without a high school diploma. Every group, everybody was thrilled. Everybody had just about high paying jobs. Our country was never in a better position, and we were planning on massive growth. It was happening. It was already there, including big salary increases, which were already taking place for the last two and a half years. Big, big increases, record increases. Nobody's seen anything like it. And then we got hit by the virus, along with the rest of the world, and now I'm building it up again. Here we go again. But I'm building it up again, and it's moving fast. And it will be even better than before, because we also learned it will be better than before. Jobs are rapidly coming back. And retail sales that were just announced two hours ago, just a little while ago, they're up a staggering 17.7 percent. Amazing. The projection was anywhere from 6 to 8 percent. 
We're up 17.7 percent. And what does that mean? The stock market went through the roof. These good numbers, they drove it up to a level that we're almost at the same level. Hard to believe. We're getting very close to the level we were before the pandemic and before all of the things that you've seen happen, happened. That's a great thing, because ultimately, it's about jobs. It's about — the government can never do anything like a great job for a person where they look forward to getting up in the morning and going to work and getting a much bigger check than they could ever get otherwise. Today and over the last 60 days, we've had one of the biggest stock market increases in the history of the stock markets. And two weeks ago, the 50-day increase was the single biggest. Unless my formula is tampered with, we will soon be in a stronger position than we were before the plague came in from China. When the numbers reach the point that I know they will, there will again be a great unity and a great spirit in our country. People will have that job back that they might have lost. They'll be making even more money than they did before. We have some brilliant people working with me, and we put it together. We did it once, and we're very easily doing it again. We're way ahead of schedule. You'll see that. You'll see the third quarter numbers will be very good. You'll see fourth quarter will be really good, and you'll see next year will be one of the best economic years this country has ever had. And it's all happening very quickly, way ahead of schedule. And I think you'll see that. People can't even believe what they're looking at. But on top of all of that, before the end of the year, I predict we will have a very successful vaccine, therapeutic, and cure. We're making tremendous progress. I deal with these incredible scientists, doctors, very, very closely. I have great respect for their minds. And uh, they have come up with things. And they've come up with many other cures and therapeutics over the years. These are the people, the best, the smartest, the most brilliant anywhere. And they've come up with uh, the AIDS vaccine. They've come up with — or the AIDS. And they, as you know, there's various things. And now various companies are involved. But the therapeutic for AIDS — AIDS was a death sentence. And now people live a life with a pill. It's an incredible thing. The Ebola vaccine and others, these are the people that have done it, or these are the people that have been around it. And they're all competing. It's an incredible thing. All of these brilliant firms, labs, companies are competing. And I will tell you, we're very far advanced. We've already started tests and trials. So I think we're going to have a very, very good answer to that very, very soon. I always say, even without it, it goes away. But if we had the vaccine, and we will, if we had therapeutic or cure, one thing sort of blends into the other, it will be a fantastic day. And I think that's going to happen, and it's going to happen very soon. Americans can achieve anything when we work together as one national family. To go forward, we must seek cooperation, not confrontation. We must build upon our heritage 
not tear it down. And we must cherish the principles of America's founding as we strive to deliver safe, beautiful, elegant justice. And we will. And the way we're going to do that is by firing Admiral Harris from South Korea. Like, what are we doing? So tensions have started. I said it. I mean, the unification of Korea was put on hold. We know what's going on. We know exactly what's going on. So now we have the missiles flying. Now we have North Korea attacking South Korea. Thanks, Harris. And China moving in. There's been dead, by the way, between them and India on border stuff. No, wait, it's going to get even crazier because what you're going to see in the next, what, I'll say 20 days to keep it good is insane. This should have happened in May. It's happening now. And they're moving the timelines. 20 Indians at least have been killed face to face with the Chinese. The Chinese don't mess about. These people are uh, people that stand with their culture, their nation, and they will not move it back. I'm just saying. Now, um, I want you guys to remember something today. And um, we're going to see a big crackdown. Remember how I talked about contracting? Or let me let me let me go back just a bit. Remember how I wrote that article about Admiral Harris? Look at South Korea in the picture now. I never talk about something or publish anything that doesn't come up later. I am giving you hints to educate you on the basics and the and 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 the people that are going to be in the spotlight to come. This is all planned. This is all history already to some people. This has already been done. Remember when we talked about the pyramid scheme of contracting? Well, lo and behold, here we are. The Justice Department dropping like it's hot. False Claims Act with substandard naval parts. We're going to be talking about Amy Klobuchar. Amy, well, what is it? Kiev Klobuchar soon. Remember? She had a closet that was supposedly a contractor. General Hayden, General Jones, General McChrystal, Admiral Harris. Oh, dear. So on that note, God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. I'll see you tomorrow.